Hi, and welcome to the Design Systems Podcast, the place where design and development overlap. Brought to you by Knapsack. Check us out at knapsack.cloud. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm here with Jess Clark. She is the Senior Manager of Design Systems at LinkedIn. She's here to share her thoughts on play, discovery, what they've built over there, and also talk about how design systems are changing the way that their team works at LinkedIn and, and creates new things. Welcome, Jess. Really glad to have you. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. We started recording kind of arbitrarily because the conversation we were having was just great. Uh, we were talking about old tech and new tech and how our dads are the people that we try to explain our work lives to. So we're going to take that as a lead in and, and jump right into the episode. So I, I guess like the, the old tech, new tech thing that's kind of fun is, is my dad is an engineer. And so he's a civil engineer, like very like engineering mindset oriented and the way I have to explain design systems to him is always using like like terms that he's familiar with, right? Because, you know, he's relatively tech savvy, but at the same time, like definitely has never built a website. And so like the fun thing is like he builds bridges and parks, right? And I was like, so when you when you go down to and like you sit down to build a bridge, do you like sketch out every single beam and every single cable? Or do you think about like, like, what is a modular thing that I can do over and over and over again and just repeat? He's like, oh, so you're the one that's like telling me that I have like a bunch of prefab stuff that I need yeah, to figure out yeah, how to stick yeah. together. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. exactly. And even just the terminology, right? We're moving from this term of design systems to design infrastructure. It starts to get very close to that. So tell me about that, because I think that that's like a super interesting idea of how this is changing, because, you know, like there's all this stuff that flies around that's kind of like the new hotness, right? Like network design yeah. systems, <laughs> like uh, design ops. And I mean, that one's kind of like even old hat now. Right. So like design infrastructure, what does that mean to you? I think, you know, it's been around engineering, I think, for a little bit. So I think design is trying to figure out what it means for us. As design teams grow and support for design grows, the value of design is becoming known and really relevant to companies in terms of, you know, contributing to the business. I think design infrastructure has definitely been a word that's been thrown around that to me really means what is the foundation that you're building for your design teams to be productive and successful every day? Mm -hmm. So how are we building, you know, not just the design system, which I think is the starting point. And that's a product that we deliver. But there's so much more than just delivering on that product. There's the service that comes with that. There's the tools that come with that. Um, you know, there's the operations that come with that. So it starts getting much bigger in terms of like, okay, designers have this product now that they're using, but then you end up needing, hey, where's, where's the support when things go wrong? Where's the tooling to help me be even more productive and successful? Where's the guidance in terms of how I build upon the foundation that you've already given me to exponentially, you know, help me do do better and do better work. So to me, design infrastructure is really building upon the foundation that was design systems. Right. It's just growing. It's just so much so much more now. No, I really want to dive deeper into that because I think that that's like that's the fun stuff. Right. I, I have oftentimes um been accused of poo-pooing the design system process in favor of what happens after you get the design system. And I mean, like, mm -hmm. this is all headed this this way, right? Like, once everybody has design systems, which, you know, we make strides towards that every, every day in this community, yeah. um, the question becomes like, okay, so now what? And the now what is like the more fun conversation to have rather than like, this is how we implement a design system. 
um, which is still important and still relevant. But once you actually have it, now all of a sudden, like all this other stuff is possible, and that's that's definitely the more fun thing. And I think that like what this reminds me of is, is echoes of the the DevOps revolution from like a decade ago, right? Mm. You remember when like all of a sudden you had like cloud computing that was accessible through things like AWS and stuff like that. And you actually had like these DevOps practitioners that would come into organizations and rejigger the way that people would think about like infrastructure. And I think that we're facing that same sort of thing now at this like code and design level that is is very reminiscent of those early days of like the ops transition. Yeah, definitely. I think that design systems has gotten to the point where we can be thought of as librarians, but we're moving from librarian to more of an inventor, an astronaut, someone who's going ahead and exploring new territory. And I think it can be done in a few ways, you know, new types of roles, like Jenny Yip talked about with design technologists, new ways of working, new technology that helps us work. So I, I, I see that design infrastructure going from I'm a librarian, I'm creating standards, I'm auditing, I'm making sure that we're all going the same direction to actually moving more in the front to say, what direction are we going in? I think a lot of times the people that are on design system teams, we see things before they're coming. We see things on the horizon and now's the opportunity to say, okay, we got a really great product. Where are we all going? Where, where is this whole pro like the whole design team in this company going? And what can we put in place or what can we investigate or explore that's going to bring everyone along with us? Yeah. (laughs) So I love that. I think that the, the investigating and exploration, you know, like one of the things that I've enjoyed most about kind of our, our pre conversations has been this idea of play and how you work play into the way that people explore and discover and really utilize the, the infrastructure, I guess, that you've created. I think that this is one of the most interesting aspects of how you get people to not just adopt a design system, but really love it and use it mm-hmm. and get a ton of value out of it, is you give people this opportunity to experiment. And I think that the way that you've done this is really insightful. Like, like, And it goes from a very fundamental level of what you view your role as in the organization. So can you talk a little bit about that? I want to understand kind of how you build up this idea of experimentation and play based on how you view your hand in guiding this project. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think it's really interesting as a design leader, you know, I'm I'm leading the team, but my team is the one doing all the really great work, moving everything along. So I'm trying to create a space for them to do that exploration, to feel free. Um, but we also have to get stuff done. So I think it's my job to really balance how are we, you know, setting the foundation, but how are we creating space to move forward? Uh, so my role starts to feel really meta because I feel like I'm creating the foundation and the, the play space for my team to be able to do their best work and to just run and explore. And then my team is building the product and the infrastructure in order to help all the other teams have the space to be able to explore and run forward and innovate. Um, so I find um, that part of my role just really enjoyable and really fun. Um, so a couple of ways that I try to lead by example for my team. One is just in the team structure. You know, we've had, we're on the third iteration of our design system. And with all of those different stages of maturity, the team has to be structured in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we started off by saying, you know, hey, we had this like rep run rally where we had people like deep in the building and then we had people going and evangelizing about it and talking about it. And then we moved into this like. Wait, so, so. 
so rep run rally what does that mean like explain that to me yeah so rep was um well we'll start with run run was the folks who were really deep in just creating the engineering specs and moving the design forward rep was people that went out and sat in different teams to help the other designers apply the design system, which was really helpful in the beginning of the system because we didn't really have a system. We're, we're really collecting and auditing at that point. Mm-hmm. And so those people really were in the different products, still sitting on the design system team and bringing all those ideas back um, and helping the teams really push it forward. And then Rally was what we called the design ops and design managers who our job was just to go out and sell the thing because at the beginning of a design system, as you're well aware, it's really just about selling the value and helping people understand what a design system is by a lot of like Lego type. Of yeah, yeah. Right? Houses, Legos, all yes. of the all the stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, bridges, parks, whatever. Um, yes. So, so that was like the OG crew, as you put it, that was really mm-hmm. about implementation and adoption. And then yeah. from there, you've sort of shifted as as you started to explore this new model of like, okay, we have this design system, it's established, now what do we do? Yeah, so the foundation component and library team really came from this new world where we're moving from Sketch to Figma and a whole bunch of stuff is coming down the line. So the foundation folks were really focused on design tokens. Like, what are design tokens? How do we do this? How do we bring the brand to the product? The component team, now that we were at a mature stage, was thinking about accessibility and all of these things, interaction that we really had to think about, which was a really different skill set. And then libraries, the library team was really just working on moving from Sketch to Figma mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what tools we're going to use and how we're going to use it to the best of our ability to provide the product to the designers. So talk to me a little bit more about the foundation team. I've been on like this design token kick um, lately. Like uh, I think Adam Argyle at, at Google and I talked for like three hours the other day about design <laughs> tokens. So I've been I've been really into this. Like tell me about how you think about how things flow from this foundation of tokens. Because I think this is a a cool concept. Yeah, I mean, talk about experimentation. This has been really, really a lot of work for us the past couple of months and probably year. Just thinking about how to build a design token infrastructure that that ladders up to the product that you actually want to build and you want to provide. So I think this takes a ton of experimentation, not only between design and engineering, but in this loop of discovery that we're talking about, because you first, you know, create some tokens, you apply them to the components, and then you discover new things. Oh, that's not the thing that Mm -hmm. I wanted to move. That's not the thing that I wanted to theme that actually ends up creating a product that was not what we intended. And so we go back and we, you know, restructure the tokens to think this is the way we want to semantically apply this. And then we apply them to components And then we discover new things. And so I think that actually the design token piece of it, I know um, Gina Ann talked about this. That's like, you know, every company has to look at it different. Mm -hmm. It's really where the exploration happens and where as a company and your product, it's really unique. And I think it does take a ton of exploration, which can be challenging if you don't have that mindset, because you might be thinking, oh, we didn't get it right the first time. And nobody gets it right the first time. Oh, you're absolutely right. I, so th- this is really fun for me because um, one of the things I've always really respected about the design discipline is that it just requires a lot of headspace and a lot of iteration yeah. and a lot of yeah. of understanding of intention and how you represent that intention. And traditionally, what we've done is we basically said, like, all right, like, 
give your design team plenty of like thinking in the shower time, right? Like, like give people time to do that exploration. And one of the things that I love about tokens in particular is you can actually like watch that exploration happen in real time. Like, like introducing a dark mode as a token set yeah, is a really yeah. interesting thing to watch happen because people start to realize all these like fundamental little hinky bits about their app that don't really have like, you know, dark mode thought of as as a part yeah. of implementation. And so how do you then go through that and be very intentional about restructuring your components or your other tokens to support this sort of system? And and I, I think that that's awesome, right? Because now all of a sudden, instead of like thinking in the shower or in some like private sketch file somewhere, you're actually able to watch this creative process happen live. And that's really cool. Yeah. And I think this is where it comes back to those hybrid roles and just bringing design and engineering together because you can try as much as you can to have design tooling mirror what's happening, but it's really difficult mm-hmm. and it's so it's so much overhead. Whereas when you bring the design and engineering aspects together, it's fun. You're iterating together. You're able to see it in real time. And you can have those conversations about, you know, designers fully understanding why an engineer would build something a certain way. And then an engineer really understanding the ethos of the brand and what a design team's trying to deliver and have fun figuring out how am I going to deliver this? And I think that partnership and that play is really fun in that space. And that's what we've seen really inspire the team, bring them together instead of having this uh, handoff back and yeah. forth, but say come together and experiment and explore and have fun with it. Yeah. And that that expectation that the cross-functional aspect of this is just baked into the way you do things. I think that that's yeah. cool. Like there's a lot of skeptics, right? Like there's a lot of people <laughs> that that look at that and they say like, oh man, I have to like talk to a developer every day or like, oh, I have to listen to a designer ramble on about color for half an hour. They don't look at that as immediately something that's fun. But I think that the really cool thing about what you've been able to build is you have made it fun and people want to engage this way with one another. So tell me a little bit about how you fostered that because I think that's a really interesting aspect of you know, overcoming skepticism, overcoming resistance, really changing a culture at an organization. Yeah, and I can talk a little bit about how we did that on the design team and then also how we're doing it between design and engineering. So first with the design team, what one, one thing that we recently did was, you know, we were trying to figure out, well, how do we take our design system to the next level? You know, we have a solid design system in place. It's pretty mature. We're working well together. But we want to have more fun and we want to push this into the future. We want to innovate and create and we want to bring all the other designers along with us. So one thing that we set up was a two day design sprint to create our own app. And the goal was in two days, we're going to go from not having an app at all or even an idea Mm -hmm. to having a fully function prototype in, in Figma for design. So this is before, you know, adding the engineering, even though that would be that's our next step to, to have fun with that. So we had two days, we all got into a virtual room in the last year and we set up Figma and we just started off with what what kind of app could LinkedIn have to add to their portfolio? Let's just make something up, something that isn't a current product, because I think it's sometimes difficult and limiting when we're only thinking in the space that we already have. This was like a whole app app. Like this wasn't just oh, like, yeah. let me just design like a feature inside of the, the platform. No, this was this was a whole new app. So a whole different app that we were going to build that, you know, would be something on an app store so that we could show 
the user experience and how the system comes together. Because it's one thing to have a catalog of parts, to have the guidance, which is really helpful, the standards, which is really helpful. But how do you show how it comes together, especially when you have an ethos that you're trying to communicate? Sometimes, you know, words on a page and images just don't communicate that story. So we thought uh, a live app prototype could communicate that story really well. No, it's a neat idea. The idea of like, let's pilot our system by building this app. So was this something that you guys then legit built from scratch and and you did it using the design system? And that became kind of like this, I guess, moment uh, within the team that people sort of, sort of understood what this was all about. Yeah, exactly. We did it from a design prototype perspective. So in within two days, we were able to go from idea to having all of the screens created for this prototype. And then probably a week or two after that, we had the prototype all hooked up and ready to go, as well as documentation, really showcasing that prototype and that study of how it comes together. And I think what was so great about that was not just the end product, this great prototype that we get to share with the rest of the design org, but just how the team worked together. I think the first day when it started off, um, you know, that was part of me exploring, experimenting. I was like, oh my goodness, is this going to work? Like it has a little (laughs) bit of an awkward start. Like everybody split up in groups. We're going to come up with this idea. There's a little bit of hesitation, but we pushed through that first half of the first day. And by the second day, I have never seen the team so excited to work together and so just ready to innovate and explore not only were they excited about the prototype and what was happening and how their work and their design system was coming together, they were excited about what this means for the future. They were coming up with all sorts of ideas. One idea is, hey, when we're creating components in the future, we're going to use this prototype to test these components. Like, how does it work with the entire system? How does it interact with them? What does it look like? And I think that was just one of the many ideas that they came up with. And so I think that play space was not only about coming up with a cool product that's going to showcase to all of our design org, but get them really excited about working together and creating a platform to come up with new ideas mm-hmm. and ways of working that we hadn't before. I always thought that that was like one of the benchmarks of knowing that your system has crossed that chasm of adoption is when people start to build their own like little tools and, and add-ons and processes to the thing that you've created. And it can be as simple as like just establishing, like codifying some way of working. But very often that comes in the form of people making little tweaks or little changes to adjust to their own workflow. And the moment that somebody starts to like tinker, right, and and get curious and explore, you know that you've probably found something that people actually like because they're willing to invest their own time in it to make it better. Yeah. So I love that that story of taking the system, figuring out how to get people involved in it. That app that you guys built, did you guys ever launch that? Or is that something that that is still like a just a really great test bed for the design system? Yeah, right now it's just in a Figma prototype and we're going to launch it soon to our designers. And then we'd love to work with our engineers moving forward to make it a real thing. Yeah. So tell me about that engineering bridge, because I think that's the the next step, as you say. So when you start to think about how your your design and engineering teams interact within the system, what does that look like? Yeah, so recently we started something called Show and Tell, and I think we meet every week, people sign up, and it's really individual contributor-led. So one thing that I found so powerful as design leaders is sometimes we just need to get out of the way and Mm -hmm. create the space for them. And, you know, because when we're coming in, we're creating something as design leaders, it can sometimes feel like homework 
feels more like the librarian side of things and less like the astronaut side of things. And I think we created this space for the individual contributors to lead and to come up with topics and just have their own space to play. And, you know, even just that empty space of, hey, sign up and show demos with each other. It It's amazing how such a simple concept, like let's get in a virtual room and share demos with each other, can bring that play to life. And so there's so much back and forth now with, hey, let me show you the engineering demo. Oh, let me show you the, the spec and what I was thinking and having that back and forth. So creating spaces where the managers step back and we put the people that are passionate about what they're doing together and let them run with it is what we've seen really bridge the gap between design and engineering and to help them understand that we are building one product together. We're not trying to reflect the org, right? We're not, yes, we have different skill sets and different things that we're bringing to this, but we're building one product together. And it's so much better when we work together on it. And it's so much more fun. Yeah, if you think about what, what those things have replaced, right? So you know, you're, you, you've been a part of an organization for long enough that you were probably there when you would do like either those really terrible creative review, design review meetings or those really terrible handoff meetings. They'd always be like an hour or too long. They're usually like scheduled for an hour, but they usually bleed over to like 90 minutes. <laughs> like half the people are late or like that, that one VP or creative director or whatever that like clearly doesn't actually have time for this really like wants to make a point. And you know, you have these things that tended to be like leadership driven that were mostly facilitation. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. like let's open Sketch, let's open Photoshop or whatever and go through this design file and then let's open yeah. the actual thing and like, you know, figure out where pixels need to be moved left or right. I love the idea that design systems are killing that meeting. And yeah. it's because when you all of a sudden have this democratization and this empowerment of people at that individual contributor level, it's no longer incumbent upon somebody at some VP or director level to facilitate these things. They're self-facilitating. They're self-organizing. And that is a really powerful tool in the hands of your individual contributor because it's autonomy, it's empowerment. It's now not just like the voice of one person or the vision of one person yeah. that defines that ethos. It's that team. And that creates better products, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I think as as we've matured, and created a pretty strong path forward and ethos and opinion on design, it allows that open space for all these other teams too. And so now partnering and bringing the other product design teams along with us, we're trying to give them the foundations and the tools. So we also have Figma plugins that we that we add to the toolkit to give them that space to build on what we have. And sometimes that, that means bringing it back into the core system and sharing it with everybody else. And sometimes it means that that product gets to build something really bespoke and unique for themselves that still fits into the ethos and still speaks the same language as the rest of the design system. And I think there's so much power in that. Like you said, moving forward, it gives design teams the autonomy to innovate without moving too far outside of the line mm-hmm. where they end up not being a part of the whole system. No, and, and share that innovation. I think that's the the other side of this that that is a huge amount of value, right? Is, yeah. okay, so I have product team A, product team B, product team C. Product team C does this really interesting, unique, innovative thing that's still within the boundaries of the system, but is actually super valuable and super innovative. Traditionally, it's very hard for team C to share that innovation with team A and team B. But yeah. through a design system and through that democratization effort, you know, through a, a an open forum where those people could show that off, the chances of team A or team B being able to adopt a similar thought process or thinking or innovative concept is way higher. Yeah. 
Do you have any real examples that you can think of where, you know, you saw this innovative concept sort of come to life and then have that be something that that sparked some other sort of creative innovation across the rest of the organization? And through the magic of podcast audio, you can pause for as long as you want here to (laughs) think about this. Yeah, I think there's quite a few things that we've done. I think design system tends to be an incubator of ideas and they're not always original to the design system team. I think some of them can be solely based on the fact that we can connect the dots across the organization. You know, we can see a pattern before a lot of times people can see that pattern emerge because we're seeing it through a couple of different products. I think a few things that we've done this with is motion. So looking at motion and looking at all the different aspects where we see initiatives of motion happening on a few different products and we can pull that together to create some consistency and solid foundation for people to jump off of. We can have an office hours to help people, you know, innovate and create and push that forward. That's been something that's been really fun for the organization. We were able to bring together some training, have those folks get trained, and it was people all throughout the organization. So it wasn't just us. We weren't like harboring a skill set mm-hmm. like Motion. We really wanted to create that training so that everybody can do it. And then when they're out there, you know, we help the, create the psychological safety, innovation safety for them to really to really innovate and push it forward because it could be scary to do new things. But we can be here to say, hey, we have experts. We're going to help review with you. We're going to help you push that forward. So motion was something that um, motion is motion is really interesting because this is this is something that I see is like this really complicated, very difficult mm-hmm. thing to pull off. And mm-hmm. I think that um no offense to to the design tool people that are out there, but like the way that motion works in design tools is definitively yes. not the way it works on the Internet. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're getting better. But the reality is, is that the gulf there is really big. And it's also mm-hmm. super hard to do this over Zoom, right? Like, yes. Like, what is a fade in of 200 milliseconds versus 400 milliseconds look when you're only getting like a few frames in Zoom to look at that? Yeah. And yeah. the other part that's really hard on the code side for this, that's been a really traditional weakness in the, the development side of, of motion is that when you, you go to change a value, the 200 to 400 millisecond fade in, right? Like, that could potentially be like a full continuous integration round trip. Mm. And so you can't be like, let me see it with 200. Let me see it with 400. And let me only have like, like a couple of seconds of headspace between those. Oftentimes it's several minutes. And by the time you're like looking at that again, you're like, well, okay, I have no idea if 200 or 400 is better. (laughs) (laughs) So the design system giving you that, that kind of instantaneous feedback around motion and that connection that is between that that design tool motion and that actual code tool motion. Mm-hmm. This is a place where I think that design systems are almost like invaluable. Um, mm. It's very hard to do motion well on the web. And it's almost impossible to do it in a remote environment where you're not able to work in the same tool and really understand yeah. how things are different. Yeah. And we're experiencing those challenges for sure. I think this is where design engineering really has to come together because when you're doing a handoff, it just doesn't work. You have to have dedicated people who are passionate and interested in it and willing to go go forward into the unknown to figure it out together and do that exploration discovery loop that we talked about where there's going to be challenges and you're going to have to start over and think about different ways of doing it. I think a lot of people on the design system team, they have that kind of um, gumption. You know, They really want to 
to solve the challenge. They really want to move forward where no one has been before and figure it out. Uh, and I think that's also exciting to have folks like that on the team because you need that. Because if you kind of give up on the first time that you hit a wall, mm -hmm. it, it won't work. So when you think about the more complicated concepts like that and getting people to be in the same place, like, does that start with foundations for you guys? Do you guys like in, in terms of motion, do you guys have like animation tokens that are established inside of your design system? And how do you sort of like codify that idea to start to build that foundation of, of collaboration on these more like difficult concepts? I, I would also like adaptive colors, another one or semantic palettes or any number of other things like. Yeah. How do you think about the starting point for all of those more challenging concepts that don't have good design and dev analogs? Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, I think that's where we really see ourselves as the core and the foundation. What's the story that our our brand through our design system is trying to tell? And how do we create the design tokens that tell that story? It's really like creating the words and giving it to the product teams to write the books mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. Because when we look at motion and we look at colors, like we can try to write the book, but it doesn't really, it doesn't work, but we don't have the context. We don't have the people. And so we really try to create only the foundation and then provide them with as much context as we can, tell the story to them and show them the different tokens and what they mean to us and what we think they mean to the brand and to our company and our product, and then let them explore. And I think that that can be challenging for some mm -hmm. design system teams who might be in the realm of governance is the way. Because um, I think that we have to open it up to allow those teams to explore and play in that space and then come back to us to say, you know, here's the motion tokens I applied to this toast, to this um, page. And here's what here's what came of it. Here's what it looked like on product. Here's how the the members reacted to it. And then bring that back to us so that then we can start to codify and create standards around that. But I think it makes sense to start with the base, share that out and give them that play space to bring it back to us. And which goes back to that discovery loop that we have to be comfortable with in experimenting. I think it's also great because you're giving professionals the autonomy to be professionals. Mm. I think that mm -hmm. like, you know, obviously there is still some sort of governance and review here, right? Like, you know. <laughs> if somebody comes back and you're like, oh, my God, the name is blinking. <laughs> yes. What is happening? <laughs> yes, office hours, office hours. Um, but at least in the general practice of those things, I, I've felt that if you give people a sense of trust and a sense of autonomy that like yeah. I'm giving you guardrails and these guardrails are very mm -hmm. broad, like the, the lanes are wide. Mm -hmm. Now I want to see what you're capable of creating. People yeah. kind of like take that on as a personal challenge to make something really incredible. Yeah, I I kind of compare it to painting the asphalt. When you think back when we were kids and there was the lines on the ground to play games, like there were a few games that we knew, right? There's like these squares and they're painted and you can play whatever you have in mind, but then you can also create your own games in the same space. And I think it's really similar where I think the design system, we create rules and we create the guidelines, which are really important. But when people come up with new ways of doing things, it's really exciting and we should mm -hmm. see it as that um, because that kind of explore exploration is what we can build upon in the future. I actually, I had a quote that I thought of from Mina Markham. She led Pantsuit, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Yeah, yeah. Mina's been on the podcast. We love oh, Mina. Oh, awesome. She's fantastic. And one thing she said was like, her job is to make sure the system is module and flexible enough to be used in unpredictable ways. And that really just settled on me pretty early of the unpredictable part because I think people think of systems and they think predictable. 
That's right. we're the system is here to make things predictable. And going back to writing the rules, I think in some ways that's true. We want things to be predictable, but we're creating something predictable so that people can do something unpredictable with that. And that's what makes it so fun. That's really great. I, it goes back to kind of the thinking about a design system as a product that serves other products inside of an mm-hmm. organization. I, one of the like early lessons in product management is like people will use and break your product in very unpredictable ways. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that that's a great kind of idea for design systems, right? Is, is you give like just the innate nature of human beings, right? Like you give people a system and people work to exploit that system in the way that most benefits them. And that's that's good. That's something that should be enabled, not discouraged. And I think that when somebody takes the time to fully understand a system well enough to exploit it for their needs, you know you've created a really good system. Mm-hmm. I also love the idea of, of the the paint on the uh, the asphalt. It reminds me of of my time in elementary school, like adding on with chalk extra squares to hopscotch being like, why are there just 10 squares? There should be 14. (laughs) Um, And, and I think that that's like a really interesting kind of fun and again, playful metaphor for, Mm. for what we're doing here, because, you know, chalk is your implementation, whereas paint is your, Mm. your guideline. Yeah. And I think going back to building the team, I think what Jenny Yip said earlier was like design system really is this incubator of, of new things. One of that being new types of roles And these new hybrid roles that are showing up, blended roles, people with different backgrounds. One thing that I've really loved about leading a design systems team is having the ability to bring on people onto the team that have different backgrounds and different experiences. Not everyone on our team even has a traditional design background. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're bringing on people who have this hybrid engineering design background to help create tools and plugins. We also have people from customer service backgrounds now who went to UX boot camps to learn about product design because so much of that stage after maturity is working with your design team and helping them, you know, bring them along, helping them understand how to use things, helping them know how to build upon your library, teaching them about how to use the guidelines, how to build on them, how to how to move everything into the future. So I think that's also been a really fun, fun part of exploring what does a design system team look like? Who are the who are the people you need on your design system team? Um, and even moving into that larger idea of design infrastructure, who are the people we need to bring along? I think we can have fun with that. I think we can experiment and explore and start looking at at different types of backgrounds to bring them along to create that that great team that's going to move us into the future. Absolutely. I One of the things that I love with this is, so we tend to think about design system teams as developers, designers, maybe a product owner or three thrown in. Mm. I love the idea of content people, of marketing mm-hmm. people, of um, people that are interested in microcopy and stuff like that as a part of of a design systems team. Because I think that like that, that category that we tend to lump in as like other or miscellaneous in terms of those roles. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of exploration to do there that is actually really interesting. Yeah. I mean, th- so even take your title, right? Like as, as senior manager of design systems, like that title probably didn't exist three years ago. Yeah. And so like this opportunity to explore these new hybrid roles, these new ideas of what a uh, common stakeholder that developers, designers, etc., roll into as we start to, to create this infrastructure the way this changes organizations is a really interesting topic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> I agree. 
I think it's an interesting journey, right? Because like, yeah, like as a as somebody that owns quote a design system, <laughs> yes. like that's innately a cross functional role, and so it's yes. not really a product owner, but it kind of is. It's also like, yeah, not really like a cross functional roll up, but it kind of is. And so, yeah, how does that actually look? Yeah, I think at every company, design systems, design infrastructure. They all look so different. I think some some folks that I talk to, design and engineering rolls up together. Sometimes design engineering and design ops roll up together. Like you said, content, accessibility. I think there's design systems is a product. So there's an aspect of that that, you know, some have product owners. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a product owner. So I think the engineering manager and I really work together to move the product forward and have that strategy. In some companies, they have a product owner, but I think it really depends on what works for that that company and that team and what that role looks like. To your point, it's really a mystery. If you look on the outside of people's title, I think it's not really a reflection of what's happening inside. People don't know what to do with these titles, similar to, you know, what were we, user experience designers, UX, UI, product designers. Right. I think design systems is going through a similar evolution now that even small companies are looking for design systems, you find, you know, you can go on LinkedIn right now and find a bunch of design system roles that are open, especially at all these small companies. And you read each description and some have accessibility, some are engineering and design, some are just design, some are content. Some say you need to manage the pipeline of the design system as well as create the design system as well as ship it. Yeah. So I think we're really trying to figure out like what what it looks like to be a part of design systems. What is design systems and moving towards design infrastructure? What's next? I think there's on the engineering side, there's a lot of things like developer happiness, right? Developer productivity. And that's what my team is really working on now. We're really looking at what does designer happiness and designer productivity look like? Mm -hmm. Because that's beyond just the design system product. So all those things that you talked about, like those roles probably didn't exist three years ago and they certainly didn't exist five years ago. (laughs) And so that represents to me a broader organizational change. And I think that like as we, we get to this idea of design infrastructure and we get to this idea of how do we look beyond just like the the ones and zeros that are flying around everybody's screens into mm-hmm. what makes us more productive, more capable teams? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot there that is an interesting new way of thinking about product where mm. instead of having like just one product owner for a product, you start to think about the patterns that go into products and the ideas of, of what those products should be composed of. And then you start to think about like, how do I put people in an area of responsibility that is one aspect of that product that is composable from a design system. Mm. And that that yeah. job of that person for, I don't know, that login experience or that sign-up experience or whatever is to try to create the best possible outcome for users in that particular pattern or domain. Yeah. And that's kind of like where I see this going, right? Because, you know, ultimately the role you have in the organization is is very broad. And now you're trying to figure out like how that broadness can be leveraged to make a better team. Mm-hmm. I think that there's also like a, a area that is a little bit more fine grained where instead of the idea of like, let's go have somebody own a whole product, let's go have somebody own a portion of an experience that is composable from a system. Yeah. Interesting stuff to think about. It's so it's so interesting being a design leader of an organization because I think it's it's hard sometimes to communicate what my role is. Mm-hmm. 
you know, what is the role of a design leader in in any case, especially for something like uh, a design system and, and leading a team and and how you lead a team? It's hard to describe because a lot of it is not reacting to, but really being the person that your team needs every day, which is a different role every day. And that's why my role itself is really exploratory to your mm-hmm. point with the organization. It's how can I show up today and be the person that the design organization needs? How can I connect the dots in the design organization to move us forward, to innovate, to create, to, to work better together and create our best work? Um, that's why I love my role. And that's that's how I try to show up every day and not look at any kind of, you know, box of a job description. I think the exciting part about that, too, is you get to actually define what this role means to an industry. I, I love yeah. being in the early phases of some big wave that you see coming. Right. Because I think that, yeah, like most of the people fun. that listen to the show, most of the people that are on the podcast, they all see the same thing. Right. Like we see this mm-hmm. as the future. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to be a part of constructing that future is one of the most rewarding things you can do career wise is is yeah. you get to take the the moments that you spend doing your job, share those with other people. And that kind of constructs a blueprint for this industry, for this new way of thinking about how we build digital products. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about play. And I think what's so what I love so much about this is that cooperative play idea. You know, these games that are more about cooperative play, I think it results in collective payoffs. It's like win-win. Everybody has fun. People get to innovate. People get to explore. Um, and I I just find so much enjoyment out of making sure I'm removing blockers and doing the boring things to make sure that everybody else can can use that as a foundational point to move into the future. And I, I love watching. I love watching what people do with it. Yeah, I, I think that I... Um... I always feel really fortunate that I get to talk with great people like you on this podcast because it helps me construct an idea for where this is all headed just through these conversations Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to listen to a bunch of really awesome dynamic people talk about the, the cool shit that they're doing in their career that is related to this is always just so rewarding. So I guess that's my way of saying thank you so much for, for being here, for sharing your story uh, I think it's an incredible journey that you've been on, um, gosh, 11 years or something like that at the same organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we were talking a little bit before, I think we hit the record button of, of you know, your your start where you were literally like, like managing front desk security. <laughs> and now mm-hmm. here you are <laughs> leaving design systems. Um, do you want to share something about that journey real quick? Because I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, graduated college during the recession. And at the time, I was going to school for design at a local college. And I I got the job as a front desk reception. It was a temp job. So I went actually to a couple of different internet companies, you know, places like Cisco and Citrix and LinkedIn. And um, I love LinkedIn from the beginning, the people there and what they were trying to build. And one one day, the VP of design at the time came to me and said, what are you up to? And I just said, well, I'm studying for design, but it's a recession. There's no jobs. So I'm just trying to do what I can here and, and do my best. And he offered me a design internship. And I was able to be the first design intern at LinkedIn. And from there, the first junior designer. And it's been an amazing journey ever since. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Jess, for for sharing. Really appreciate you being here. Um, we got to have you back to have like a deep dive on that tools discussion at some point. 
really love just your energy and, and the way you, you brought it today. So thank you very much. And thank you, Chris, for having me and for creating the space for everyone who's moving design systems forward. That's all for today. This has been another episode of the Design Systems Podcast. Thanks for listening. Our producers are Ryan Peterson and Shana Hodkin. Our musical composer is Wes Willis. Our editor is Zach Barkas. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like to know more about, find us on Twitter at the DS Pod. We'd love to hear from you with show ideas, recommendations, questions, or comments. As always, this pod is brought to you by Knapsack. You can check us out at knapsack.cloud. Have a great day.